Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. This podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, the internet's leading provider of audiobooks with more than 150,000 downloadable titles across all types of literature, including fiction, nonfiction, and periodicals. For a free audiobook of your choice, go to audiblepodcast.com mother. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. This is Dimity in Denver, where we were enjoying a summer like none other. I mean, it was cool. It was rainy. It was, like, awesome. And then all of a sudden, we're back to, like, it's 90 degrees at 730 at night, and it's just killing me. Oh, that's that's because you have a race going up. <laughs> well, I do. I do. But, I mean, I just – I got to say, like, the dog days of summer, I mean, so many ways in August. I mean, Adrian Martini wrote a great post about August, and then Anne Lamont, I saw her writing um, something on Facebook where, you know, God was laughing when he created the month of August and snake. Um, so just all this like stuff. I just, I just think August is like, I mean, if, if we got rid of August, it would have to be another month that we want to get rid of. So we could just keep it as a placeholder as like the crappy hot, you know, kind of stagnant month that it is because you had, well, so, and to add, I mean, not to, you know, lump you into this, but you ran a half marathon last week and it wasn't, um, your best race ever. Was it? No, it wasn't. It was hot. And I'm not going to blame, I'm not going to blame it all on the weather. No, it was, um, no, it was my slowest uh, non-run Disney half marathon ever. <laughs> so the Disney run, we, we we should we should qualify that Disney. We we go, stopped to get our pictures taken, and and we've been at the expo for three or four days, and it's more of an experience than a race. Yes, yes, and lots and lots of picture stops. So that that is what adds in the time. And and gosh, I didn't stop for any pictures. <laughs> I, I say, oh, the race was so beautiful, though. It was called Bridge of the Gods, and. There were a couple people even ahead of me that I saw were taking pictures. I thought, oh, oh, I'm not going to stop to take pictures. No, no, no. You know, I got to make a good time here. And um, so I'm writing the race report later this afternoon because it's um, this today's Wednesday as we're recording this and it's the uh, race report's going up on Thursday. But um, uh, yeah, so I, you know, the um, Bree, our coach, told me, um, well, she had originally said, she says, uh, that rate of perceived exertion for tempo or a half marathon is five. And I finally was like, mm, it's kind of when I do a half marathon, I'm closer to six and usually seven. She's like, and I said, the same is true with me when I do tempo. And she's like, oh, okay, so, you know, I want you to definitely run that, you know, that six or that seven. And um, we knew the course was going to be hilly. We did not Yeah, know. it had a thousand feet of climbing. That is not insignificant. For for Oregon, yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, that's a lot. It um and we had no idea. I mean, afterwards when Bree saw the readout for my GPS, she was just like, Oh no, 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 no. You know, that was that you know, the the elevation map they had was not accurate. So uh, you know, she really wanted me to hold it back for the ter- first two miles, and I did um, a pretty good job of that. And um, another piece of advice she'd given me, she was like, you know, it really needs to be a practice for the big marathon day, so make sure you hydrate really well the day before. So I took her advice a little too well. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I uh, you know, was working on our third book, so I was um, had a lot of time to be sitting there and going from my computer to the kitchen to drop at least one, sometimes two tablets into of noon into my water. And I um, thinking I just I just got um, an imbalance of electrolytes that I got too many of them, which is called hypernutremia. And so because I started out running and, um, you know, I mean, the hills were taking it out of me, but there were, uh, there were a couple women that I was trying to stay with who in my mind looked super fit. And, and I was, you know, kidding myself that I could stick with them. And, but in the, on those climbs, I mean, I oftentimes pass those women in the top third of the mile or sorry, top third of the hill. So I was feeling like pretty good about myself and, uh, turned around a little, um, a little shortly after the halfway point and, very suddenly, my limbs got all sorts of tingly. And, you know, usually, Dimity, I have a very clear nutrition plan. And suddenly, I thought, I need a goo right now. 
Like it was just hmm. was like something's wrong here. So you know, I um, stepped off the course, did did my did my goo, uh, took some water, and I had been you know drinking water, and um, they had Gatorade on the course, and I had even had a cup of Gatorade. Um, so then, um, but from there on out, I just felt really crummy. I felt very dizzy. I um, walked for the first time ever in a race. I walked twice. Um, and even when, so, you know, I was thinking about Bree saying, you know, stay at a five and maybe a six or a seven. And even when I was walking, I was breathing like I was at a six or a seven. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah. It sounds like something just physiologically was wrong with you. And it yeah. might just be just, I mean, we were in Salt Lake that week earlier. We were on the go at the party and then at a trade show. I mean, it was a lot going on right before that. Yeah. And I don't know. So, and, and at one point, um, like my, I definitely was very aware of the fact that my heart was a muscle and I felt like it was working too hard. Like it was kind of a burning sensation. And then, um, I mean, I, I had to gut it out to make it across the finish line. And as soon as I did, I, you know, was trying to get into some shade and, and get my head a little bit lower. And, uh, Molly, who had finished um, seven minutes ahead of me, which I'm exceptionally proud about. Um, and then our friend Joanne, who had run the uh, 10K at the same race, um, they both were looking at me. And Molly was like, oh, something's wrong with you. You don't look good. You don't look good. Mm-hmm. So, wow. Yeah. wow. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, yeah. do you feel better now? Do you feel like you got oh. your balance restored? Oh, I um, Molly got me We um, when we stopped at a convenience store right afterwards. She's like, no, you stay here. I'll go get you a, a chocolate milk and Coca-Cola. Because at that point, I said... I'd really feel a whole lot better if I just threw up. And she's like, oh, Coca-Cola has something in it that, like, calms your stomach. So um, so when I got home, I wasn't so much tired. I just kind of felt like I wanted to lay down for a while. So I dozed for about an hour. I felt so good the rest of the day. It was oh, crazy. Good. It was oh, crazy. And, oh, that's awesome. And then – but the then uh, the telling sign is that my legs – I had no pain in my legs. Like, my legs weren't sore. I mean, I foam rolled the next day. There was no, like, you know, gah, 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 you know, that hurts. Yeah. I can't do that. None of that. So, I mean, to me, that was, to me, and Bree, that was a sign that I had not pushed nearly hard enough because I had just no soreness. So, um, so anyway, it was just an off but race. you couldn't have pushed hard enough. I mean, it, you couldn't have pushed harder. Uh, well, but know that if, like, if I had felt good and been able to run the pace, I was set to run, you uh-huh. know, so to run a, I, I, I did a 212, you know, I was set to, um, I probably could have run maybe a 158 on that course because it was, inc- the times were really slow. So the age group, they didn't break it down too much, but so the age group that I was in was 40 to 49 and the fastest finisher in that age group was 150, 150. And here in Portland in a half marathon, usually that age group, the winning, the, fastest would be like you know 127 130 so i mean everybody's times well yeah it's a tough it was a i mean a thousand feet of climbing again that's a lot (laughs) that is a lot i mean you know so yeah and speaking of climbing you're gonna be doing some i know that's that's just a fraction of what i'm i'm i have this little hill that i need to go up on saturday as you're listening to this or maybe the day after um i it'll be the day after i climb up pike's peak and i'm a little bummed i haven't been able to write about it more um Mm -hmm. just because it's been kind of fun to train for and it's been fun to to kind of think about it. And I, it's, it's fun because it's an adventure. It's not, um, you know, I have no idea how long it's going to take me. I mean, the, the general rule is that it takes you about as long as it does to, to, to run a road marathon. Mm-hmm. Even though so, it's half the distance. Even though, well, yeah, it's a little over half. I mean, it's 13 point, I think three or four and mm-hmm. God, you know, I'm going to be cursing those point three or four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just, re- I mean, there's this, so, uh, so there's this very, very ridiculously, um, detailed site called, uh, I think it's sky runner and, uh, it's by a man named Matt Carpenter. And he literally like, I mean, I, I like had that, my eyes started glazing over. I'm like, I cannot read this. It is, <laughs> it is so detailed. And it's like, and, and when you reach this sign, you will be a prox that, that should be approximately 26.7% of your total ascent time. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I am not going there, Matt. I appreciate your level of detail, but not doing that. But, um, was I gonna say? I think I, I think I remember reading that the average women's time is about four fifty, and the average men's is about four fifteen, mm-hmm. one five and five zero. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yes, I mean, I'm just kind of putting my head in the space that I'm going to be in motion for, you know, about at least four hours and probably more, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and just have a fun day. I mean, 
you know, I've, so now, so I've talked about my three friends that are going and then Terja Becker, who's mm. actually contributing to the third book. She's doing it as well. Oh, nice. They're all fast. Mm-hmm. So they're going to be at the seven o'clock wave. And that's the first 900 runners. And then I'm in the seven thirty wave that goes off at seven thirty in the morning. And I think there's close to two thousand. Oh boy. Uh, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot bigger <laughs> than I was expecting, or at least those are the numbers that they give you. Maybe they only use even or odd numbers, but, um, so oh, I, I mean, I, okay. I, I know I'm going to have to be patient because there's a lot of places where it's just going to be a snake going up the hill and passing people is not going to be an option. How wide so, is the trail that you go up? Oh, it varies. It varies very much. So there's places where you're like, just, you know, on a very narrow single track, doing switchbacks and that's where it's hard to pass or there are places, you know, um, where it's, it's quite wide and it's quite flat and it's easy to run. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, and- so I mean that the last part is the hardest. The last three miles are going to be the hardest. You're above 12,000 feet and, uh, it's just really, I mean, that's, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm going to rip it up there, but that's kind of my strength as far as I'm good at just moving forward as fast as I can. And I've got strong legs. So that's, and, you know, and Brie um, has also sent me an idea or, you know, some ideas about how to race. And she's like, this is where, you know, you're going to pass everybody who underestimated the course. <laughs> okay. I'm going to remember that. Um, so, uh, so anyway, so I, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I've got my, uh, uh, when you hear this interview with this great ultra runner named Pam Smith, who's coming up in a minute, we'll introduce her in a second, but she's, she is an ultimate direction athlete. Um, and she likes the Anton Krupichka vest, which mm-hmm. is Tony Krupichka, if you follow ultra running at all. <laughs> and so, um, so I'm going to be wearing mine as well. Cause, oh. uh, that's exciting. And, um, you know, and then, and then at the top, you've got to have, you know, the bag packed with like a puffy jacket and warm gloves and a hat. I mean, there's snow on the top of Pikes Peak right now. Oh my now. goodness. So oh. it can change. I mean, there's been a couple of years where they've turned people around because the weather was so bad. So, oh. I mean, it's, it's really, uh, I mean, we're climbing almost 8,000 feet. Oh, um, I know. I know. Tell people. So it's, um, as I understand it, it's 6,000 feet climbed in the first 10 miles, then 2,000 feet in the that 3.3 or I think 4. It, I think it's something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's just a 1,000 in the last. I mean, I know the last mile is 750 feet, and it looks impossibly <laughs> far away. And um, I did read the last, you know, I, I kind of read, like, the first mile or two of Matt's blog, and then I read, like, the last mile. And I'm like, okay, everything else, I just, I'm just going to go by feel. But um, but I'm oh. excited. So Wow. Wow. Well, 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 definitely, I mean, when I was struggling. <laughs> On, on Sunday, I thought, at least I'm not running Pikes Peak Ascent. <laughs> well, and the running, I mean, I, you know, it's probably understood, but I should just put this out full out. I mean, running is in air quotes. I mean, there is a lot of walking. There's a lot of fast hiking. And then again, that's like when I did Ironman, um, I did well in the marathon because I'm a really good fast walker. You like, sure I are, can, yeah. I can do yep. that with the best of them. I mean, <laughs> you you know, sure maybe can. in my former life, I was an Olympic race walker. So <laughs> I'm not saying doing that uphill is as easy as doing it when you're, you know, just walking a flat marathon course like in Coeur d'Alene. But, um, but yeah. it's, not, it's not like I'm going to be running for every step of the way. Far from it. I bet you if I run half, I'll be surprised. I bet you it'll be closer to 30 or 40%. Oh, uh-huh. Okay. Well, we will we will definitely be thinking of you and sending you. you all sorts of strong, um, lift you up, higher and higher yeah. vibes. <laughs> so if you think of me of all while you're listening to this on the Saturday or even if it's Sunday or whenever, just think of the song Defying Gravity. That's what I needed to do. I think it's time to defy gravity. All right. Well, now that we had that little inspirational ditty from Idina Menzel, let's introduce our guest who Dimity has already alluded to. We have Pam Smith with us today, who is the 2013 winner of the Western States 100, uh, which is one of the um, most prestigious trail ultras there is. And uh, Pam is the mom of two. She lives here in my state of Oregon. She lives down near Salem. She is a pathologist. We brought her on to talk about her ultra running as well as a 24-hour race that she did with her nine-year-old daughter. But before we start talking with Pam, want to take a quick break in which we'll hear from Nicole for the first time ever, a call-in mother runner doing our little commercial, as it were. Hi, I'm Nicole, a mother runner of three kids from Pennsylvania. I usually run solo, and I enjoy listening to books on audible.com to pass the time on my longer runs, like the ones I'm doing now to prepare for the Philadelphia Marathon in November. 
A book I recently enjoyed listening to was Attachments by Rainbow Roll. For a free Audible book of your choice, go to audible.com slash mother. That's audible.com slash mother. Welcome to the show, Pam. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Great, great. So uh, let's start with the personal stuff. Uh, Tell us how many children you have and uh, what type of doctor you are, because we know that you are on your lunch break right now. (laughs) Yeah, um, I have two kids. Megan is nine and Liam is seven. And I am a pathologist uh, working down at Pacific Pathology, which is outside uh, or works out of Salem Hospital. Mm -hmm. Great, great. And um, so, so now I've got that stuff out of the way. Tell us a little bit about your running history, um, when and how you got started, first of sure. all. Sure. <laughs> um, my dad was kind of the prototypical uh, 60s, 70s jogger and uh, did it kind of to lose weight as he was getting older and used to run the 5K in our town every year. And uh, so when I was a ninth grader, he just uh, got excited that I was running the mile in high school PE. And he thought since I could run a mile that I could obviously run a 5K with him. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> went out and ran the 5K. Um, it did, did fairly well. I placed in my age group. I actually won my age group the 15 and under, but I ended up puking at the end of the race, but uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, that, that, wow. that, that wasn't enough to deter me from uh, continuing on with running. So the following year, I went out for high school cross country and ran high school cross country and track. And I, I wasn't a superstar by any means. Um, I went on to Div 3 college and, and participated in track and cross country on, on a Division 3 level. Mm-hmm. And then um, sort of was just doing recreational running during medical school and, and my final year of medical school, decided that I, I needed to do a marathon to be a real distance runner. So I ran my first marathon in 1999 and kind of just dabbled in the marathon for a while. And after having kids, I knew I wanted to get back into running and so did a couple marathons and then thought I would uh, branch out a little bit and go into the ultra world. So uh, wh- when did you make that jump to the ultras and sort of what prompted you to to, to want to go further than 26.2? Yeah, I mean, officially I ran my first ultra in 2002, but I did it as a training run for the Boston Marathon, and at that oh point goodness. I still completely considered myself a, a road marathoner um, and then had my kids. And so uh, it was in 2008, in September of 2008, so it's almost my six-year anniversary here for, for running my what I consider my first official ultra marathon, uh, just as or becoming an ultra marathoner anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for me the, the reason that I wanted to go into ultra marathons is because unfortunately I ran really well at my first marathon in 1999 and uh, it took me a long time to ever break that time again and so I spent like nine years pursuing a, a PR in the marathon and when I finally did it again I was I was kind of burnt out on it and I wanted to do something different and maybe something where I didn't get so frustrated about one or two different one or two minutes being different in the timing sure. so I was like hey I'll just do a 50k and whatever time I finish in that's great and so I did that and uh, it was the McKinsey River one um, down down in Oregon and uh, and it was just it was beautiful I loved it the people were fun and then I was like this is great I'm gonna do more of these so that's kind of how I got into it that's great well and so your marathon we have to throw your marathon PR out there is it 310 is that correct uh, no, 255. Oh, 255. 255. Oh. Yeah, wow. so I, I did I did uh, go back to CIM in 2011, and I ran the oh, okay. 255. Because I was so, yeah. re- reading on your blog, I was seeing that um, you were chasing that 310, it sounds like, for quite a while. Yeah, that, that was when I that was where I was at when I um, stopped, uh, or when I kind of jumped over to the ultra. But since doing the ultras, then I did go back, and I've, I've run one ma- road marathon since then, and uh, managed to pull out the sub three. Wow. wow. So all those miles on the trail helped you out finally, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was, I was definitely uh, stronger and certainly the endurance um, helped a lot for the, for the marathoning. Nice. Sure. Nice. Sure. Well, so, I'm actually um, so, a lot. Oh. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I'm also, like, even though, like, I went into ultra running to be um, less concerned about the time and stuff as I've been running it, I've been actually more disciplined and and more uh, focused on my training. So I think the consistency and increased miles and all that also helped. Um, I was probably fitter just in general. Well, I saw on your blog you do a lot of strength stuff. Now, I mean, can you talk a little bit about what you do and what you think is most effective? 
Sure, yeah. No, I love strength training. I actually did quite a bit of strength training even when I was in college. I used to get up early before my 8.30 class and go to the gym and, and, and lift and stuff. I've always been really big into the strength training. Um, I, right now, um, mostly what I do is is a lot of body weight stuff, and so um, things like uh, air squats, lunges. Um, I do a lot of, like, core stuff, planks. Um, I do do yoga. Um, my husband's a member of CrossFit, and I hate to say that I'm a CrossFitter because I definitely don't want to be put into that category, but I'll sometimes go to the, the CrossFit workouts with him, and they do a lot of things like box jumps and um, pull-ups, push-ups, those kind of things. I always modify it. I don't do any of the real heavy lifting. I don't, I don't want to be, you know, like a big uh, Olympic lifter type of person, but um, yeah, the, the squats, is, the squats, lunges, and deadlifts are the ones that I, I think I focus on for, for strength and kind of um, leg strength specifically. Sure, um, sure. So yeah, and uh, squats are just, are real easy to do. Like I said, most of my squats are probably air squats, and I can do them while I'm cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> I can do them with my kids on the back, if on my back, if I want to do extra weight, and mm-hmm. um, you know, just kind of wherever you want want to do them it works out well i have to ask what is an air squat versus just a regular squat so you're saying you don't have a bar on your back is that i don't have a bar yeah i'm just Uh i'm just doing uh just my body weight Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so do you do like a hundred at a time or something i can't imagine i mean to be effective you know given your leg strength i mean what 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 do you do for like a squat regimen yeah um i'll do up to 100 at a time yeah i mean it, they get pretty taxing i mean yeah. you, you don't think about it when you're not lifting any weight but if if you're starting to to go and keeping good form and stuff like that they they can they can get pretty taxing pretty quickly so sure. um 50 is is tiring and usually i'll go for for about 100 or so sure wow. no we we had to do 50 the other day in a class that i was in so i was like wow that that was definitely hard and i have to add that i am so glad you did not bring up the B word, the burpee word. Oh yeah, I hate <laughs> Just, those, man. Oh geez, those are awful, aren't they? <laughs> they are awful. Do, do you make yourself do them, or do you just give yourself a pass and, and realize that you're doing enough other stuff? I do do them sometimes. Like I say, uh, I, I don't work on Thursdays. Um, that's just my schedule is has Thursday off. So, and like I said, my husband's pretty big into the CrossFit. So I'll often go in the mornings on Thursdays with him. And the, the CrossFitters love the burpees. I don't know why they're there. <laughs> and so, so sometimes I'll have to do them. So if they're doing them, I'll do them. But I don't, I don't ever do them on my own. No. Okay. Somebody, okay. Yeah, there's got to be some peer pressure to do a burpee. <laughs> you'll, you'll, you'll run 100 miles as fast as you can on your own, but you're not going to do a burpee on your own. Okay. Right. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, so um, so we we understand that you had Megan, your um, your daughter, running an ultra marathon recently. So she's done it twice. Can you kind of tell us about that situation? Sure. So my husband um, was actually uh, a little bit overweight as a kid, and um, that always was something that bothered him. He he lost a lot of weight as an adult and, and through running. And um, so one of the things he started was a 100-mile club. Um, it's a national organization, 100mile.com. And he started one at my kid's school, and so they were running to, to accumulate as many miles as they could, um, specifically to get at least 100 miles. But my daughter's a little bit competitive, and she wanted to get more. And so you could get them through doing organized events as well and so we had talked about possibly going and doing this 24-hour event uh, together it's called the Pacific Rim 24-hour up in Longview Washington and she was going to go and uh, so we just decided we would go and see how it went and um, she she surprised us you know she ended up doing 27 uh, miles her first year and enjoyed it enough um, that she wanted to go back the second year and the second year she was very determined that she was going to get at least a 50k in and she ended up with 34 miles um it's it's a all day like i said it's a 24-hour event it's a one mile loop um there's aid and and food and and stuff available at, at every mile so that was good it was also i think that was one of the things that attracted her to it because there was a lot more junk food at the aid station than we have in our house so, and, she, and she was given free reign on that but we just went at her pace and when she wanted to rest we rested and when she wanted to go out we went 
out. And um, the first year it was very rainy, and so there were mm. times where we'd spend, you know, two hours in the car because we didn't want to be out there in the rain. But it was it was not – I mean, it was we kept it very low-key, didn't keep it as uh, any set goals in mind or anything like that. I, I know the second year she had a goal for herself, but it was just, you know, on her, on her schedule, doing it what she wanted to do, keeping it fun for her. You know, I obviously was very excited to have her out there with me, and it's, it's fun to see her running and fun to see her enjoying it. Um, so I, I wasn't, you know, pushing her for extra miles or extra speed or anything like that. And, you know, we probably walked, I don't know, three quarters of it or something like that. But she was out there and, and she got it done. And um, so I, so it was fun for that. And, and so uh, since we've not done any more ultra marathons, but we've uh, gotten both of the kids involved in a lot of local 5Ks and stuff. So keep them active and keep them running and keeping it fun for them. So I have to ask one quick question then. Was she the first one at her school to reach the 100 miles with those 34 miles under her belt? She actually was not because that was at the end of the – that was in March. And uh, she's got uh, a couple of kids that were uh, very fast and talented and and committed to to running. And so I think she was uh, the second – the first year. Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love, for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a 6- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, And each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit storyworth.com slash AMR when you subscribe. That's storyworth.com slash AMR. And then last year, I think she was actually like fifth or sixth. So, oh, uh, yeah, kids kids rack up the miles. Some of them come out there and, and run like crazy. One of the fifth graders that was in the program ended up with 340 miles. So wow. she, was, she was running in a 45-minute period or, well, up to an hour, sometimes five, six miles in, in a day. So, wow. um, you know, and they did it twice a week. So she was, she was racking up the miles pretty good. Wow. So and what sort of training? did Megan do? You said you mentioned that she probably walked about three quarters of it, but I mean, were you, did you have her on a sort of training plan? Because otherwise I would think that... No, 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 there is no training program. But um, like I said, my husband does this 100-mile club and they run twice a week at school. And because uh, because my husband's in charge of it, my kids basically have to go <laughs> both, <laughs> both days. Non-negotiable. Um, so they're, yeah, they're, they're always there. So there was uh, two days a week that she was running probably three or four miles. Like, again, sort of a walk-jog kind of thing. They had an hour to do it. And um, she would just go around and they they do a, a track and just go around the track as many times as they could during that hour. And she was usually in the three to four mile range during that hour. 
Mm-hmm. Nice. Well, so I'm just curious. I mean, because sometimes we post things about, you know, like a, a young person running a really fast half marathon or even a marathon. Um, and sometimes it's like, oh, that's they're too young for that. You know, we get a little bit of backlash, which is, of course, easier on Facebook or social media than it is to your face. But I'm just curious, did you get any kind of pushback from having, you know, a nine-year-old out there doing an ultra? more voiced exactly the way that you just voiced it is people would ask me like is is that healthy is that okay um you know i didn't i didn't ever have anybody say she shouldn't be doing this or why are you why are you doing this with her and i think the people that were there witnessing it saw that i was i was pretty hands off like i i wasn't being you know like tiger mom or anything and <laughs> sure. uh, and that uh you know they saw that she was having fun and she was smiling and that she was still in in good health and good spirits during the whole thing. So I don't think that anybody there was concerned. Of course, everybody there is there to run ultra marathons, so they're a little warped anyway. But, um, <laughs> you know, she, if you ask my daughter about it and when people asked her about it, she always spoke about it in a positive way. So I think people then, you know, saw that it, it wasn't some sort of negative torture session that I was putting through, her uh-huh. through. And she, she obviously is, is doing fine and didn't have any health ramifications from it. And certainly this is not something we went out and did every weekend. You know, we've done it twice now in two years and um so um no i I think it was it was fine and like i said as long as i think kids are allowed to go at their own pace and and not forced to go faster or farther than they want to go and when they say they're tired you know even you know i might say i'm tired and then push myself to go a little bit farther or harder but if she says she's tired it's like okay i'm listening to that and let her do whatever she wants if she wants to walk she wants to break that's fine and i think that way keeps it healthy and and it also keeps it fun for her so and also just to be clear i mean so it was 24 hours but i mean i definitely saw pictures of you guys sleeping i mean it wasn't like you guys were in motion for 24 hours by no not at all i mean we used that 24 hours and and did on and off and we got we slept for about eight hours we slept from about 10 10 p.m to to 6 a.m so um yeah and like i said we we brought our mattresses for the minivan we had Mm -hmm. snacks we had you know we were playing ipad games and stuff like that so it certainly wasn't a continuous 24 hours of running for her Mm -hmm. and but was she sore afterwards or no she complained about her feet both times at the end, like at the end of the day, the first day. Mm-hmm. And I think it was just from being on her feet that long. She'd never really um, been used to that. And um, and so it was just that soreness. And then she would sleep and the next morning she was fine. Um, and, you know, she seemed a little tired the next day, but nothing that I, a lot of that I think is just because, I mean, even though we, we went to sleep for eight hours, I don't think it's the best sleep. And that's still a little short of sleep for her. So, Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, um, she, she didn't, didn't ever complain of anything too severe after that. No, Good. she hasn't had that teenage stint as like working at a department store where you're on your free from like eight to eight, <laughs> a couple more years and we can get her, you know, groomed for that. Um, well, so you've also won the, the Western States last year, the, a very uh, prestigious ultra 100 mile race. Um, and so tell us kind of how you built up to that. You built up to ultras and then you actually came to win ultras. I mean, was that just kind of a natural evolution or did you, were you gunning for the win or kind of tell us how that happened? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess ever since I was, you know, s- smaller and even in elementary school, knowing that I just, I always did better as the distance got longer. And so it sort of seemed a natural progression of things, you know, in the 50K, I was doing fairly well in those and um, just with sort of my own desire to try and push myself a little bit farther doing 50 milers. And, and then also, um, you know, as you get into it, you realize that, again, I was doing probably a little better in the 50 milers than I was in the 50 Ks. And I think in the ultra running community, there's a lot of emphasis on 100 milers. Like that is, you know, in, in the distance, the road running, you know, the marathon tends to be like, that is the holy grail of distance running. And I think in the ultras, it's kind of like the 100 miler. So I just had it in my mind that I wanted to do one. And, uh, you know, after you, you do one, then the idea is, you know, if you're sort of obsessive compulsive type like I am, you, you want to do it better. And and uh, so uh, I got into Western States, and I'd done it two years, and I did okay there. Um, and then uh, in 2012, I just had a horrible, horrible year. It snowed and sleeted on us, and I ended up getting hypothermic, and I had a lot of waking, and I had asthma, and I had all kinds of issues, and 
I ended up having to sit at an aid station for two and a half hours. Mm. And anyway, I, I finished fourth from last. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and so oh. I, I did finish. I, I will, I will, uh, you know, pat myself on the back for that. I, I did manage to finish, but I, I was just very disappointed by that because I had gone in very fit and thinking that I was going to do pretty well, and then it was a, just a, a terrible disaster. And so um, the following year, I just was very focused on Western States, and I just felt like I had something to prove. I needed to show that I could do this distance, that I could conquer this course, and that, um, you know, I had it in me to do that. So really um, spent a, a good six months working my mileage up um, and then focusing on and changing a lot of things that I did, you know, the way I was eating, um, what I was doing in a race, what I was wearing, all kinds of stuff. And so just really um, got very detail-oriented and started thinking about what works for me, not what does everybody else say you should do, and then applying that. And I definitely went into the day, not necessarily with the intention that I wanted to win, but with the intention that I just wanted to go out there and have the race of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up doing that. And, and uh, by doing that, then I did did come away with the win. So that was kind of a, a byproduct of just proving that I, I could do better than the 29-hour finish than I had done the year before. Yeah, I'd awesome. say so. Yeah. That, I mean, that almost must be a record, wouldn't you say, that from someone coming in fourth to last one year and winning it the next? I mean, that like the biggest game ever. It is. Yeah, it was yeah. A, a ten and a half hour time improvement, and the, <laughs> the race director said he didn't think that anybody else had done that in two consecutive years. So uh-huh. it, it probably is a, a, a record. But what I tell people is, that if you want to be most improved, you just got to start the original bar. You set the original bar pretty low. <laughs> so I, I did that. I set the, the the going in point pretty low. So I I had a lot of room for improvement, but. Uh, yeah, it, it worked out well. Yeah, sure did. Wow. Wow. So so what advice would you give to um, other mother runners who are thinking about making the leap up to an ultra from, say, marathons and, you know, bearing in mind that they are probably not going to win the Western states, but just kind of, you know, wanting to take on a 50K or maybe a 50 miler? Yeah, no, I mean, I think if it's something that you want to do, then um, you can make it work. You know, we we can all find the time or the priority. You know, if you make it a priority, you can find the time to do it. If you're already training for marathons, you're probably already very regimented and have a schedule that works for you. And I really don't think that um, there needs to be that much tweaking or that much extra mileage to get up to the marathon or to a 50K or even to a Mm -hmm. 50-miler. You know, I think that's what scares people is that they think the time commitment is so high. Mm -hmm. And yet if you're putting that time in for the marathon, I I think you've already committed that time and you don't have to really find that much more. Um, It would just say if people are doing it on on planning to run an ultra marathon on the trail, then to get some of their training on the trail because that can be a big transition for people who are used to running on the road a lot, Mm -hmm. Um, really need to get more familiar with with running on the trail. And then getting used to eating. I mean, that's a big one for people is, you know, a marathon, you take a few gels here and there, and that's probably enough to get away with. But in an ultra, when you're out there for longer, you really have to be familiar with, you know, drinking uh, several liters during the race uh, of fluid and, and eating some eating more substantial calories. And so that's another one to practice. Mm-hmm. Nice. So you're, um, you're sponsored by Ultimate Direct. Chin, and they are one of our marketing partners as well. We love their their line of the hydration products. What what vest do you like to use when you're out there for you know a couple days? I've been using <laughs> I've been using the Anton vest. I really like that, and I've been racing in that the, the last couple of years. Um, I, I like their fast draw for handheld stuff, but for when I'm trying to carry a little bit more, I like to have um, just the two bottles on my chest. There, um, I like the the chest bottles a lot better than bladder packs just because when I'm racing, I have a real hard time sucking enough fluid in without losing my breath or, or, mm-hmm. or I just get kind of winded if I have to do that. I also find that I, I need visual clues to see or cues to see how much fluid I've ingested because I'll take a, a sip off of a bladder pack and think, wow, I just drank a whole bunch of fluid. And then I'll get to the aid station and be like, wow, I only drank a quarter of this, you know? So 
to be able to hold the bottle, look at it, and say, okay, I need to drink this whole thing is, has worked really well for me. And so that's what I've been racing in. That's a good point. That's a good point. Well, and um, I read in one interview that you, um, well, actually for the Western States, we were just talking about you, you froze all your bottles and then wore them in the vest so that you kind of had a, a little bit of a cooling aid because the, the weather was crazy hot that year, right? Yeah, I've done that for three races now. So if you take the, the Ultimate Direction bottles and fill them, you know, a half to maybe three quarters full and then put them in the freezer overnight and then just have your crew or whoever fill on top of that, you know, the remaining half to quarter bottle with uh, fluids. So when you put them on your chest, they're a lot cooler, but you still have a little bit to drink and the, the fluid helps to melt the ice, but then that ice also helps to keep you cool. And that's, that's worked really well. It's also nice because a lot of the drink mixes taste way better if they're very ice, you know, if they're ice cold. And yes. so by, by mixing them on ice, it, it kind of helps to keep the temperature down and uh, makes them a little bit more palatable. Nice. Nice. Well, and then, and then I saw it in the same interview and I just had to bring this up because Sarah is very um, anti-cotton tea when you're running. Um, I like to think, I like to think of it as pro tech material actually. Okay. okay. Well, yeah. All right. Either way you wore a cotton shirt in Western States. So tell us, did you wear that the whole time? I did wear it the whole time, and I wore it this past year as well. And then um, just as, uh, a week and a half ago, I ran Angeles Crest, 100-miler, and the weather forecast for that was uh, 98 degrees. It ended up not being that hot, but I did wear a cotton T-shirt the whole time for that. Um, I, you know, I've, I, I started running back in 1989, and that was kind of before tech even existed. And, um, you know, I ran in cotton all the time, and it was fine. Nobody had any problems with it. And then tech came out, and it was like, this is – you have to run in tech why would you ever run in anything else you know and and cotton was was really put down as like a horrible thing i do think cotton is is not maybe the ideal for most situations but um you know one of the the properties of cotton and one of the reasons people tend not to like cotton is that it really holds on to a lot of moisture it doesn't wick the water away and that's why people don't feel as good or that's why they like to run in the tech um, t-shirts but in a race where you're trying to stay cool and you're trying to stay wet that's actually a beneficial property and so I kind of just took advantage of that um, use the use the shirt for when I um, am going to be in a race where I think I'm going to be dumping a lot of water over my head want to keep the water next to my body and sort of use the cooling effect and the evaporative effects of the water to help cool me down um, you know I do most of my training in a tech t-shirt it's not that I'm anti-tech or anything no, no, like no, that absolutely. You know, I, I, I definitely own uh, plenty of tech T-shirts and, and wear them regularly. But um, for certain situations, I do think that cotton can be beneficial. Well, so like, then I have to ask, what, in the year that you were hypothermic, did you have a cotton shirt on? Or did I, did not, I did okay. not. I did okay. not. I had a tech shirt on. Unfortunately, I had little else on. Oh, <laughs> um, Okay. Yeah, so I had some gloves on, and I, I got some arm warmers, but I really needed to have a rain jacket, and unfortunately, I, I did not have that on. Oh, goodness, yeah, yeah, yeah. So then tell us uh, what's next for you running-wise. Yeah, so um, like I said, I just, just finished Angela's Crest, so I'm on a little bit of a recovery lull here right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm scheduled to go to Les Templaires is a 43-mile race in, in the south of France at the end mm-hmm. of October. And then um, I'm going to be doing the 100K Worlds, which is in Qatar this year, and that's at the end of November. Oh, my goodness. Oh what, my will the, gosh. what will the weather be like there? Um, hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I think humidity is actually supposed to be a big issue there. And um, interestingly, the race starts at 6 p.m., mm. um, which is, is interesting because it's just a, a weird start time. But also because for a lot of the women, you know, an eight to nine hour finish uh, time is, is not unusual. And so for me finishing like two, two, three in the morning and stuff, which is, is just kind of odd, too. But um, they started the race later uh, like that, too combat the heat or to uh, sort of minimize the impact of the heat on the participants. Well, maybe maybe not having it in Qatar would be a way to also avoid that. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, Qatar has quite a bit of money that they were willing yeah. to 
put into sports, and there are not that many countries that are willing to do that, unfortunately. And um, so the IAU has had quite a bit of difficulty scheduling world championships for both the 100 kilometers and the 24-hour teams. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think they were looking for places that would offer up the money and were willing to host the athletes and to organize it. And, and Qatar is stepping up that way. Um, I guess they Qatar has put an emphasis on sports in the future and are even going to be hosting the World Cup in the future as well. I know. I saw, wow. that. Yeah, I saw that in the New York Times. That was that's. Um... Wow. So we'll... Yeah, they're, they're putting a lot of money into building sports complexes mm -hmm. and um, encouraging people to come there for, for sports tourism oh. um, and sort of looking to the future is when maybe oil isn't sort of the only place that they can make their income or as oil becomes sort of of diminished importance in, in our economy that mm -hmm. uh, they have something else to, to offer. Wow. So are they making a fat prize purse then, I hope? Excuse me? Are they making a fat prize purse for the winners of the, the championships? Oh, no. For, for oh. world championships, you, you you get a medal. That's it. I mean, that's it's kind of like the Olympics. You know, you, you get pride, but there's there's no no money involved in it. Oh, wow. Pride in a cotton T-shirt. That's enough, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, awesome. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Pam. We really appreciate you spending your lunchtime with us. Well, great. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck with things. So, Sarah, I think we should have our next mother runner retreat in Qatar. <laughs> They're looking to have, you know, more sports there. Right. Sure. So it'll be a minor, a really minimal plane ticket. We won't really, we'll just have to bring like noon by, you know, pack our the, suitcases. The pallet's crazy full, yeah. Of noon. Yeah. So, and I'll bring my cotton tea and you bring your tech tea and we'll be good. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to fall in love with, you know, Qatar like I did with Little Rock. I don't know about that one. So, <laughs> are there museums? for me to see are there innovative you know farm to table restaurants you know i don't know <laughs> go tour the tour the oil fields i know they've got good shopping malls we could do our wind sprints in the shopping malls down to louis vuitton and back let's go <laughs> so you are alluding to our first ever uh women's running retreat next april 16 through 19 in little rock arkansas aren't you dimity I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> I'd like you well, to yes, be there, Timothy. We are going to Little Rock. You, me, and uh, hopefully a whole bunch of uh, mother runners and, uh -huh. uh, and a support staff of amazing women as well so we can get, you know, maximize the experience. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a ton of fun, and we are um, setting up a mailing list for people to get information about it. And so we won't have it up by this Saturday by the time people are listening to this podcast, our first Saturday podcast. Um, so much is changing. So yeah, we've got a retreat. We are we have gotten rid of um, posting the winners on Saturday on our on our website. Um, so it's mostly just to give ourselves a day of rest, <laughs> as we say, it's always so important when you're running. It's also important when you're manning the Mother Runner website. So yeah. so winners um, are going to be announced on Thursdays now um, on Facebook, and then the winner is also going to get um, an email from us. So this, if you win the Hump Day giveaway. Um, on a Wednesday, the following Thursday, it will be announced on Facebook, and you'll get an email. Mm -hmm. Then the second part is on Saturday, Sarah. We are going to be posting our podcast so that people uh, then can have the choice of listening to it. You know, they can download in time for their long run, whichever day they take that, or, you know, maybe some uh, Saturday gardening or some Sunday chores, something like that, so that uh, you can listen to us while um, during the whole weekend instead of just on Sunday. Maybe you, you you put us on repeat <laughs> Saturday and Sunday in case you missed, you know, going back to see a movie. When right. you're like, oh, I it's missed a, that right. little bit. Or it's like, now for the encore presentation of Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, so and then we've got one more thing, uh, not, not um, insignificant, that we want to announce. Yes, we are announcing the AMR Running Reading Club, which... Um, 
I've A M R R R, which so I'm thinking it's pronounced Ammer. Uh, um, so you had this brilliant idea, Dimity, that we should have people, listeners, re- reading the books of the guests that we have on before the guest comes on. So that um, then that way, um, hopefully they can turn, send some questions to us and just kind of feel clued into the whole thing. So first up is Rachel Tour, who is an ultra marathoner in addition to being a writer and her uh, first young adult novel just debuted, and it's called On the Road to Find Out. It's about a high school girl who takes up running and navigates the gauntlet of college admissions. So we are going to be recording our interview with Rachel Tour on September 10th, and then with the podcast airing on um, September 13th. So if you want to be able to submit a question to Rachel, plan on finishing her YA novel by September 8th. And um, hopefully that doesn't sound like a homework assignment. You know, it's not required reading. But um, again, so her young adult novel is On the Road to Find Out. Her last name, Tor, T-O-O-R, if you're searching for that. And then... Tim, what, we're thinking people can email us questions at runmother yeah, at gmail.com? Yeah, well, yeah. I'm hoping, too, that we get to the point where we're, we're in the process of setting up a little phone line at Pegateam, our podcast studio, so maybe they can call in and ask a question, not necessarily live, but at least we can hear their voice asking it. Oh, that would be fun, yeah. That yeah, would be fun. Yeah, yeah so so the, the Amher Club is just going to be, it's not going to be every month or anything like that. It's just going to be whenever a running book or a book that has some kind of uh, tangent to running mm-hmm. um, it comes up and we think would be interesting to this crowd. Um, we're going to have it and have the author on. So, I mean, actually I'm thinking the next one, I've got a couple really good um, new kind of technique and, um, and training books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have two of them actually that I've been looking through. So, um, so it's not always going to be fiction. Um, it cannot, it's also can be a very, uh, you know, helpful thing to have in your running library. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I know a book that's coming out. I think it's next March that we might oh, have. Oh. Gosh, so many announcements. <laughs> Holy cow. Makes me tired just thinking about it. Yes, I am. So we, we don't want to announce the win the title yet because, um, we're in the process of pulling together. We, we did a post about um, what we needed a little help with the name because I, I was really set on Badass Mother Runner and put in a whole memo to like the editorial team we're working with about why we should call it that. And then I had second thoughts thanks to some prompting from, from this crowd, mm-hmm. which was smart. So, um, so anyway, so we've got the new book. We've got the new cover, but I'm not going to announce it because the people that um, contributed to it, we want to um, contact first because we said we'd get them some AMR gear. Well, so many people, it's a pretty basic title. <laughs> so many people uh, kind of contributed or had bits of it, slices of it in their comment that we're going to um, be sending out bumper stickers to all mm-hmm. of you. So. Mm-hmm. And I will anyway, say, uh, we what, did we did sort of a, we announced it one time before, but we're not going to repeat ourselves. So oh, we're okay. we're right. going we to. Did. I don't even remember yeah, it, so. I remember that. Uh, yeah, I was talking to a mother runner recently, and she's like, "Well, the name of your book is Wah 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 Wah, right?" And I was like, "Get this look on my face." She's like, "You said it on the podcast one time." I was like, "No, oh, you're right. Oh, we okay. did." Well. All right, so erase that podcast episode. Don't ever listen to it again. Um, but really but we're going to share the deal. But, but I'm sounds... so excited. I mean, we've got we're in the final stretch right now, and um, the final drafts of these essays. We've got 18 essays from a range of mother runners, from you know, the beginning of 5K up to ultra runners. It's kind of an ultra running themed podcast right here. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so many great surveys from you guys. I mean, I have been compiling them and kind of going through them, and I'm like laughing at every third one. And I'm like, oh, oh yeah. I want to put that in. Oh wait, I want to put that in. Oh, that's really funny. Oh, that's really smart. So, you know, once again, you guys did not fail to um, perform or what entertain. I don't know what the word is, but you just stepped up as you always do. So thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's a lot of announcements. I hope we're not testing people on those later because that was a whole (laughs) lot of announcements. Uh I know people haven't turned it off already. (laughs) Like, oh, we're done with Pam, so I'm done. Right. Um, So, well, if if you want more of all this, we are on Facebook at Run Like a Mother the Book. Our websites are anothermotherrunner.com and motherrunnerstore.com. On Twitter and Instagram, we are at the Mother Runner. Our uh, existing books are Run Like a Mother and Train Like a Mother. They're available on our Mother Runner store as well as on Amazon. And no matter what distance you're going, many happy miles to you. Hashtag Mother Runner. <laughs>